0: Good morning, Celebration Church, uh, Stevens Point, Appleton, Green Bay, those of you that are joining us online, wherever you're at, let's all stand up together. Let's say this, this is who we are, this is what we believe here at Celebration Church. Let's all join together saying the Apostles' Creed. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning and uh, welcome wherever you're at in Stevens Point, Appleton. Good to have you with us, everyone in Green Bay, and those joining online. Great to have you at Celebration today. Uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet, my name is Bob, one of the pastors here at Celebration Church. Uh, pastor Mark Gunger is our lead pastor. He does most of the preaching and teaching here, and uh, he had an event, a marriage event that he does all over the world. He had one in Portland, wasn't able to make it back to preach this morning, so I had the opportunity to share. and uh, great Grateful to uh, be with everyone here this morning. Uh, Thanksgiving is coming up. It's November and uh, Thanksgiving is in the air. We got all the changing leaves and the weather's getting colder except in Wisconsin. It's been gorgeous, hasn't it? It's been such a great couple weeks of weather and uh, it's gorgeous out today and uh, this season's great and uh, it's all about giving thanks uh, back to God for all the blessings we've had in our lives. Uh, My wife and I, we throw a big party every year before Thanksgiving called Friendsgiving. We have a bunch of friends come over and some family and uh, bring food and eat and just celebrate all God's goodness and his blessings in our lives. And uh, coming up on, on sunday November 20th we 're going to have a special Thanksgiving offering and uh, we want you to consider what you might be able to do over and above what you regularly give, just as a way to say thank you God for all the blessings that you 've poured into my life over this past year we 've all got so much to be thankful for and it 's good to pause and to recognize all that God has done in our lives and uh, we 've got so much I know Pastor Lathan uh, he was campus pastoring this morning in green bay you didn 't see him in Point and appleton but he had open-heart surgery just a few weeks ago. And, uh, and it was, man, talk about tough and tough recovery and all of that. And we're so thankful that he was with us this morning. And everyone celebrated along with that. And... Uh, so grateful for my wife's health. And just yesterday I was in Door County uh, officiating a wedding up there, such a beautiful setting up against the water. And as I was driving back, going 70 miles an hour down the highway and out of my looking left, there was a deer that popped out and I could have reached through the window and grabbed him by the nostrils. That's how close he was to hitting my car. And I'm grateful I didn't hit a deer or go swerving off the road. And uh, whatever it is in your life, we've got a lot to be thankful for. So think about what you can do. Uh, when you get home. Talk about it over the next couple of weeks and consider what you might be able to bring in over and above and just as a special thank you to God. And God will take that and uh, we're gonna see a lot of wonderful things happen at the church as a result and blessings pour into your life. Uh, well, I wanted to give a little update. Uh, we had a great mission trip to Myanmar just a few weeks ago and we had a great team that went and this is gonna kind of weave right into this morning's message I have for you today but I wanted to give you an update. Uh, we had a wonderful team of 14 go to Myanmar Here's a picture of us, and uh, this is in the in front of the Shwedagon Pagoda. And there was 14 people that went. This is the world's largest Buddhist temple, and uh, we were in a country that is uh, most of the people there are Buddhists, very few Christians, and uh, it's a great mission field to be on. And we're grateful to be there. Uh, It was a great group of people, a lot of husbands and wives uh, were on this trip, kind of a special thing for them to do together, travel around the world and spend this time uh, loving on orphans. And I got to bring my son. He's 10 years old. Dylan, he got to go. So grateful that he had the opportunity to experience that. And for the first time, we brought a medical team. So exciting. And it was part of a medical missions trip that we did. It was a great group. I want to give you just kind of a quick history of what it is that we've been connected with there. Uh, We've supported Love Children Home since 1996. Uh, It was in the winter in 96. They had started just a few months prior in 1995. And it started with 11 orphans. And it was uh, a Small house that they lived in, built on bamboo stilts in the jungle, um, and it was very simple, very uh, very uh, needy group of people coming together, and uh, and the orphanage now has duplicated to a network of eleven orphanages with more than five hundred kids. It's incredible what it is we've been connected to uh, Peter who started it uh, before we got involved would tell stories of uh, they would take a head of the head of cabbage that people would cook with they would chop the top off and then the animals wouldn't even they would just be thrown into a rubbish pile into the trash and they would take that top of a head of cabbage and they would turn that into soup and that's what they would eat very simple times and then we got connected and from there things have grown and it's been pretty amazing what you've been connected to as you've given towards missions. Here's some of the things that your missions giving has done. Uh, It went from a simple house built on bamboo stilts. They've got these great boys and girls dorms. We've got some pictures to show you. Uh, I don't want to show you all of them. It would be like family pictures and you'd get bored eventually but they've got these great facilities they've built. This is just one of them. They've got several boys and girls dorms. This stretches out. Uh, over 10 acres of property that they take up now. Uh, They've got a church that we built, uh, and they've got sound, and they've got lights, and they can fit over 350 people inside of their church, and they have a service every Sunday morning, and they pray for you guys They pray for Celebration Church. It's pretty phenomenal uh, uh, to experience. Uh, They've got a loom house. This is where they make blankets, the old-fashioned way, these old wood things that they run back and forth, and uh, they make blankets, and they make fabric, and they make jewelry and purses and all kinds of amazing things. They started doing this because they were cold in the winter, and uh, cold for them is like, you know, 68 degrees for us, you know? (laughs) And they're freezing, and so they're, they, how are they going to make it through the night is what they're thinking. So they went and got mosquito nets from the army that they weren't using, and they took them apart into yarn, and then they turned them into blankets, and that was to keep them warm. And then they started making blankets and selling them, so it's income for the orphanage, and, uh, and it's also blankets to keep them warm, kind of a neat thing, and it employs people. So very... Uh, Uh, Very creative people. Uh, We started a Bible college there. Uh, They average about 80 students every year. Last January, I had the opportunity to speak at their Bible college graduation. They graduated 14 students last year. They go for four years and get bachelor degrees in theology. They go on and they will start churches. They'll go be missionaries in remote villages. They'll work at the orphanage or something like that. It's pretty phenomenal what it is that we connect with. So these kids that would regularly never have a home, potentially be homeless, Maybe not even have a mom or a dad have this great opportunity even to experience further education. We built a cafeteria that can seat over 300 people, and we were in there every day doing projects and activities with the kids during our week there. Uh, they've got a kitchen where they make food, and it's really cool. They cook over live firewood, and uh, the whole country cooks with firewood. It's one of the things that actually rate how poor a nation is, how, ma- how many uh, people cook using firewood, and the whole country smells like a barbecue. It's just awesome. And, uh <laughs> Uh, And so they cook, they've got kitchens now where they cook their food. Uh, They've got a chicken coop, over a thousand chickens. Check this out. And uh, they eat the eggs, they eat the chickens, they sell the eggs, they sell the chickens. And uh, and so it's both food and income for the orphanage. So very self-sustaining beyond what it is that we do when we give. They've got a pig farm. They raise pigs, and they eat the pigs and sell the pigs, and and, uh, so the kids are getting protein. It's pretty awesome. And they've got vegetable farms, and the list goes on and on of the things they built. And brand new this year. I know you've been hearing about how we've had an increase in our missions giving, and it's pretty cool what you guys have done with giving more. And one of the things that we did this year is we built a medical clinic. So check out this picture. This is uh, uh, Jay from our team, and uh, we had a medical team that went. We saw 100 patients while we were there. It's a gorgeous medical facility. It's got uh, storage. It's got an intake room. It's got an examination room, a restroom. uh, It's got air conditioning to keep the medications uh, uh, from expiring. It's pretty cool. They've got, we brought 750 pounds of medications and medical supplies with us. We didn't even know if we were going to get it through the country. Uh, So, yeah, we're like smuggling all these, you know, drugs into the country. Like, uh, this could go south, you know. So, but we got them in. (laughs) And uh, and it was pretty cool. We put 50 people in glasses and they could see again. The youngest uh, kid that we put in glasses was 12 years old. Uh, The oldest that we put in glasses was 93. And uh, she was a widow. She got two pairs of glasses. She got a pair of reading glasses and also a pair that she can see things. When she put them on, she started crying. And uh, so part of the network of orphanages that we've built is a widow's home that's right around the corner from the orphanage. And that was one of the widows that came over and we put her in glasses. Pretty special stuff. And, uh, and then it's kind of a side project. When I was there a year ago, uh, I saw on the ground they had this rebar and uh, sand and some cement piles. And I saw this big piece of uh, land they were developing. And I'm like, what What are you doing here? Are you building a new building or something like that? And, he said, and Peter said, no. He said, every time we've got an extra $5, every time we've got an extra $10, uh, and this is low priority, so we got to take care of the kids. But if we ever have extra money, uh, we would take that $5, that $10, and for the past six years, we've been working on building a tennis court. And someday, we hope we can have a tennis court, and so the kids can play tennis. And if, if these kids are incredibly athletic, they kick a ball all day long. So, I mean, it's just phenomenal what they can do and he thought it'd be great for them to learn how to play tennis and there's all these adults that uh, take care of the kids and and then there's the Bible college students and the teachers at the Bible college they thought it'd be great to be able to provide recreation for them as well because they're with kids all day long I've got four and I need recreation so can you imagine you know 200 kids and so when I left I couldn't get it out of my head and I thought man wouldn't a tennis pro want to build a tennis court for a bunch of orphans The only tennis pro I could think of at the time was Andre Agassi, but you know, you can't exactly send Andre a tweet and see if he wants to build a tennis court, right? A little more high profile than that. So uh, I didn't know how to get a hold of Andre, but through a series of connections, I got uh, uh, put together with the tennis coaches of St. Norbert College, which is a school here in Green Bay, and they've got a tennis team, and I told them the idea, and they said, you know what? We've been wanting to build a tennis court in a third world country, but we didn't know how to do it. Consider it done. And so we built a tennis court in Myanmar. And uh, there we are. There we are playing tennis. We had a dedication of it. And afterwards, we had a big doubles match. And uh, on the other side was Jeff Klein. And he doesn't have a microphone this morning. So I can tell you, we were spanking the other team. <laughs> we were killing them. Uh, but like, can you imagine like 300 kids watching? And like every time Jeff double-faulted, they're like... Yeah. So uh, it, was, it was awesome. So we, had, we built a tennis court. It was pretty cool, kind of a side thing. But it, we connected the greater community. That was done outside of the church. It was pr- pretty neat. Uh, it gets me thinking about a verse in Matthew chapter 25. And it goes like this. It says, this is Jesus talking. He says, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was in need of clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? When were you a stranger to us, and we invited you in, or in need of clothes, and clothe you? When were you sick, or in prison, and we came to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for the least of mine, these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. There is something near to the heart of God with the things that we're involved with when we talk about missions. The least of these brothers and sisters, these kids that wouldn't have a roof over their head or a meal to eat, and maybe worse, we've been able to provide an incredible life for them and they've gone on to continue to serve God and do amazing things with their life. And it doesn't finish there. There's this verse in John 10, 10. It says this, the thief, that's talking about Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, this is Jesus, came that ye may have life and have it to the full. This is the mission statement of Love Children Home, the orphanage that we're connected with. That the kids would have life and that they would have it to the full. And the mission here is working that we've set out on. These kids are experiencing life and they're having it to the full. And if we weren't doing this, there's a good chance that these kids would be victims to Myanmar's extreme poverty. Or maybe they would be in the sex trade, or maybe they would be sold into slavery, into child uh, war, or into wars as child soldiers, or homeless, and the list goes on and on and on of where they could potentially end up. But God has turned around what the thief tried to steal, kill, and destroy, and turned it into a story that's about life and more life. So it's pretty cool what we're connected with. So this morning, with the short time that we have remaining... I want to share a message with you that really ties together what we've been involved with with this Myanmar missions and the update this morning and a message I want to share called faith killers and faith builders three things that will kill your faith there are things in life that will kill your faith and we're talking about whether it's as simple as just believing that there's a God believing in Jesus, or if you're talking about growing in your relationship with God, growing as a believer in Jesus Christ, maybe it's trusting God for an area in your life. There are things that will kill your faith, and there are things that will build your faith. Hebrews 11 and verse 1 talks about this. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. We don't see God, we, we've not seen Jesus. There were disciples that walked with him, but we've not seen. And we believe without seeing, and that is a good definition of faith. Hebrews eleven six, a little further down, says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith is required to live a life that pleases God. Faith starts with believing that God exists. That this story is real. That Jesus lived and died for your sins. It starts with believing and that if you seek him, the Bible says that you will find him and he blesses those that seek his face. It starts with faith, seeking God with not seeing with our eyes. There's a story about Jesus talking about faith where he's hungry, he's walking along a road and he grabs, wants to get something to eat. It's found in Matthew chapter 21. It says this, early in the morning, Jesus was on his way back to the city and he was hungry. So seeing a fig tree by the road, this is the restaurants that were available in Jesus' day, you'd find a good fig tree and grab a bite to eat. So they go there, but he went up to it And found nothing on it except leaves. Now that's a bad day because Jesus was hungry. So he must be mad because it says he went up to it and said, may you never bear fruit again. He curses the tree (coughs) and immediately it withered and it stopped bearing fruit. Now, I've wanted to do this to a couple restaurants in my day. You go there and you're dying to have like your favorite dish on the menu. And they say, oh, we're all out of that special today. So, you know, I curse you, restaurant. May you never serve food again in this town. (laughs) So when the disciples saw this, (coughs) of course, they were amazed. They said, how did you, how did the fig tree wither so quickly? Jesus said, truly, I tell you. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but you can also say to the mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Faith, if you do not doubt. The first thing that I want to share that is a faith killer is doubt. Doubt will kill your faith. If you doubt that God exists, that is the beginning of you losing your faith and eventually giving up on God. If you doubt that you can grow in your relationship with God, grow as a believer in Jesus Christ, that is the beginning of things not working out. If you doubt that God can break through with whatever area it is you're trusting God for, whether it's your health or maybe it's your finances or in your career or at school, whatever it is, if you doubt that's the beginning of losing your faith. Whatever it is that you're in need of, the thing that will rob you of God's miracles is doubt. Pastor Mark talks about this idea of always giving you 24 hours to freak out. You ever have something big in your life and you just freak out? He gives you 24 hours and after that you got to suck it up, right? Because if you let doubt continue to come in and rob your thought in your brain and everything there, it will take over everything. You can't stay in that place of freaking out and, lose, lose, uh, and risk losing your belief that God can do anything. So how do you change your thoughts? How do you change your doubts? How do you change your unbelief? It starts right here with getting the Bible inside of your life. If you don't own a Bible, get a Bible. Read it. Learn what's inside. It'll change your life getting this inside of you. If you want to build your faith and eliminate the doubt, get the Bible inside of you. And you know what? I've discovered something. This can be pretty confusing. Reading what's inside of here and making sense of what's inside. So let me encourage you, come on out on Wednesday nights. We've got our Bible study every Wednesday night. It's at all of our campuses, Stevens Point, Appleton, Green Bay, We broadcast it online if you can't make it for whatever reason, but join up. Pastor Mark has a very great way of just simply walking through the Bible. And if you come on Wednesday nights, you're going to understand what's inside of here and it'll transform your life. One of the things we emphasize here at Celebration Church is intentional living, that uh, great lives, succeeding in life is done on purpose, that life isn't a series of lucky moments where some people got it and the other people don't, but life happens on purpose, Wednesday nights are about learning what's inside of here, and it'll transform your life. <coughs> Hebrews 4 and 12 says this about the Bible that the Word of God is alive and active. This isn't something that's dead, but it actually works in your life. Sharper than any double edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Successful living happens when you get the word of God inside of you. So come on out Wednesday nights. It's at 645. We've got stuff for little kids. We've got uh, programs for middle school, elementary, teenagers, all of it. Come on out on Wednesday nights. So number one, doubt is a faith killer, and the Bible is a faith builder. The second thing that is a faith killer is worry. Worry will kill your faith. This is a hard one because when your back is up against the wall and you feel like there's nowhere else to go and things don't look right, like it's not going to work out in your life, it's easy to let worry rule the day, isn't it? I faced this a couple of years ago when my wife got diagnosed with cancer and you're getting bad report after bad report. It is so easy to let worry come in and dominate your brain. But Jesus talks about this idea of worry that you can't stay there and you know What? I did pretty good with it for a while. I did good with it all through chemo and then uh, my wife did great and then she, was, she got uh, meningitis, which actually was worse than the chemo she was getting. And, uh, and then worry crept in and you can't stay in that place. If worry takes over, you're gonna lose faith and you don't wanna do that. Jesus talks about it in Matthew chapter six. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear? Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry? about clothes. See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor and spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire... Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Worry will take away your faith. So he says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When I was in that place where worry was taking over my brain, a good friend of mine encouraged me, and he said this, don't worry about tomorrow. Take care of today. God's got what you need today, and he's taking care of tomorrow. Those simple words were life-changing, and it can change your life. Don't worry about tomorrow. Take care of today. God's got what you need. He's got daily bread for you right here, right now, whatever it is that you need. One of the things that's kind of stunning about the experience when you go to Myanmar is that here is a place that is just, it's got extreme poverty. The average daily wage is $2.80. That's not per hour, that's per day. That's less than $1,000 a year is what they make. We can't imagine that kind of poverty here in the United States. Countries like this are known to have a daily economy. They talk about a daily economy. They've got what they need to eat that day. They've got the toothpaste they need for that day. They've got the shampoo they need for that day. They don't have refrigerators that are full of food and pantries that are full of food like us. They've got what they need for today. And yet they don't seem to be worried about tomorrow because they're not so focused on tomorrow. They're worried about taking care of today and their minds aren't off to the races. Fast forwarding five years, 10 years in advance, they're, wor- they're taking care of what they need today. It's kind of interesting. And Jesus, he warned us about how the rich And if you're at one of our campuses here this morning, if you're watching online, if you're in America, you are considered rich compared to the rest of the world. Statistically, you are amongst the rich. So Jesus gives a warning to the rich and how difficult it is for us to get this. He said this in Matthew chapter 19, verse 23, he says, then Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. I, again, tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's impossible, isn't it? A camel can't go through the eye of a needle. It's easier for that to happen than a rich man. So it is difficult. It's hard for us to get this as rich people. I think part of the warning from Jesus is because with enough money, you know what? You can take care of yourself, can't you? You can your fridge and your pantry with food. You can buy your clothes and fill your closet with even more. You can go to a doctor to fix your disease. You can buy a roof to put over your head. And there's something about our daily reliance on God that just kind of gets thrown out the window because we can take care of our daily needs so well. So how do you begin to change that? Because if you want to build your faith muscles for the big things in life, you've got to start by exercising it every day. And one of the ways you begin to change that is it begins with giving God thanks for the everyday things in life. Thanksgiving, November, giving thanks to God for all the blessings that you've experienced in your life, realizing that, you know what? God has blessed you so much in acknowledging what God has done in your life. And it begins with trusting God for the everyday things in life. This is exercising your faith muscles. And giving is one of the best ways you can do this. In fact, it's the only place in the Bible where God says, you can test me in this, that you can give, and God says he will give back to you. I just talked to a guy uh, uh, last week. He was telling me that he started tithing, and he was telling me the story about how he began tithing, and tithe is just an old English word that means a tenth. The Bible's always had this gold standard of giving, talking about giving a tenth of your income back to God, and he was talking about, man, it's kind of a scary step. That's a huge percentage of my income, and he started doing it, and he said, man, God started blessing my company And it began growing, and we began employing more people. And he's got a a great business that continues to succeed because he decided to put God into his life and trust him with his finances and giving. God's word is true. If you trust him and if you have faith, God will bless you in return. So number two, worry is a faith killer, and giving is a faith builder. And the last one, number three, The third thing that is a faith killer is this being disconnected from believers in Jesus Christ. Being disconnected from believers is a faith killer. Uh, Pastor Lathan, he just had open heart surgery a few weeks ago, and uh, he had some great insight into this. And he was going through a moment where, you know what, you need others around you in your life. And he wrote a post on Facebook, and I just wanted to share what he wrote. These are his words this is how we'll close today. He said this, well, I've been waiting for a couple days to post on Facebook, hoping I would feel better, but that would be too long. What a 10-day experience. Let me start by saying that all of you who prayed, thought of, reached out to me, you will never know what it meant to me. Thanks for the prayers. There were those 300 orphans in Celebration Church Mission Team in Myanmar who prayed at their chapel service. There was the group of executive leaders of a Pentecostal denomination who began their meeting praying. The church where I serve, you guys were praying. There were small groups and individuals all over the world praying. No matter the size, the length of the prayer or notoriety of the group or person, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now I wish I could say I was God's man of faith and power during that time, but that would not be truthful. Just trying to keep my heart from jumping out of my body seemed hard enough. My spiritual warfare was very limited. Here's what I've learned. If you want to mend a broken heart, it takes a community of faith, a family of faith, a body of believers in love with God and his people. Victory, healing, power, kicking Satan's butt can only be done effectively in relationship, community, and love for one another. It takes time or take time to build relational equity with those around you. There is still a battle of full recovery ahead, but I'd rather be walking it together with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and with you. Sorry for this lo- little, uh, fr- sorry for this long post. It's not my usual type of post. I also want to say thank you to my wife, Lynn. Wow, what a special lady. To my daughters and their families and also to my sisters for coming to Mayo in support. Family, protected. Enough said. Grace and peace to you. Number three. Being disconnected from believers is a faith killer. If you disconnect yourself from the community of faith, that is a surefire way to kill the faith that you need inside of your life. And Christian community is a faith builder. Let's pray. Father God, we just lift up this moment with you and I pray for every person at all of our campuses, uh, those that are joining us online, Lord, and uh, we pray that we would be people of faith. There are things that will kill it like doubt and worry and being disconnected from the family of faith. But God, you put in things that will build our faith. So I pray that we would get the word of God inside of us. I pray that we would be a giving and generous people and that we would connect ourselves more and more and more with your people so that we can experience you in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.